Hey, so welcome to another episode of Manny Talks. My name is Manny De La Cruz, and as always, thank you for taking the time to listen in. Today, I got an awesome story, Mr. Bert, uh, Berton Vite. I call him Bert or Burton. Well, that's what he goes by, too. He is a native of California, a 1,000% Californian graduate from Cal State Long Beach, a proud Latino Chicano from over there, and he is currently working as a thermal engineer with Canoe. And Canoe is a startup out there in California that is making an electric vehicle, very novel concept that will be subscription based. And I'm going to include a bunch of information on Canoe as part of the show notes. It had a cool um, interview where the CEO and some of their their the chief executives will talk about what the company's about. And, and they have these awesome commercials and they have a, a very unique concept for subscription based um electric vehicle that's available and as well as a very unique design uh and i'll just leave it at that i'll let you look into it but uh, but bert uh, that's where he works he works in california with this startup company so he shares his story of growing up in california where his uh roots uh or interest i should say in engineering came from some struggles he had with educators what he did with mayas he had to walk away at one point uh, be at, just to make sure that he kept his eye on the prize. He's worked at multiple startups as well as a big corporation. So he's got a unique perspective and he is here and he was willing to share that for, as always, for your benefit. Just a reminder, this is why we're doing this. This is why I'm doing this project. This is why guests uh, that uh, friends of mine or people that I meet on LinkedIn that I reach out to, once they hear what I'm doing and why I'm doing this and why it's for the benefit of the young student who's interested in STEM or that young professional who's trying to figure out, they want to share. They want to tell you what they've did and they just want to make sure that you learn from them and that uh, you learn from their mistakes, but also celebrating the triumphs because we're all underrepresented minorities trying to make it uh, make sense of this uh, STEM career. So as always, if you like what you're hearing, please let us know. I see that half of you are listening on on uh, Spotify and half of you are listening on the Apple podcast application. And at an Apple podcast, you have the opportunity to not only share by clicking on a rating of five stars, hopefully, but also leaving a review, letting people know in your own words what you think of the content and whether or not it resonated with you. For the other half, like I said, if you're on Spotify, don't matter. I promote this on LinkedIn. I promote this on Facebook. I promote this on Instagram. And hopefully you're following me on one of those social media platforms. Oh, and Twitter. And so if you happen to see this and that posting led you to listen to this recording and you got something out of it or you feel that it's kind of interesting and you want to hear some more, let people know in those comments. Right. Because there's someone like you who is looking for information, who's going to stumble across this. And it's always beneficial to hear whether or not the information that you're hearing or the content or the the hours spent listening is worth it. And so your interaction and your engagement with posts and social media goes a very, very long way. And it would mean the world to me if you would uh, help me out. So as always, thank you for for coming on. I, I wish you the best and I look forward to this conversation. All right, folks, so welcome to another episode of Manny Talks. Today, I get the chance to talk to a friend, an old friend, distant friend, Mr. Berton Vite 
also known as Bert Burton. We had a, just had a conversation about his origin of his name and Burton. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you talk about that as part of your introduction. But let's get right to it. Uh, Bert, why don't you tell us, Burton? Tell us, you know, what your story is. I'm very interested in knowing where, where you're from. What was it like growing up? You know, family. Do you have any siblings? Why don't you tell us who you are? First and foremost, it's a pleasure to be here. I'll start off with that. Uh, my name originally pronounced Berton. As, I, as we were previously chatting, uh, my mom wanted me to have a, a name that could be easily pronounced in English and a common American name. And so she found my name in a baby book, but my mom actually didn't speak English at all when, when, we, came, uh, when we came to this country. So she wanted me to have an American name, but something that she could also pronounce in Spanish. So she really liked the name Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N, but she couldn't pronounce it in Spanish. It didn't roll off the tongue as nicely. So she just said, I'm going to put an E, and that's pretty much all she wrote. And ever since then, it was Berton. Uh, so, yep, Berton, uh, he is I and I am him. As far as my story, where I'm from, I was born and raised in Santa Ana, California. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Santa Ana, California, it's about 50 minutes southeast of Los Angeles International Airport, or people also associate uh, Disneyland with the area, although we're not really near Disneyland, but it's a, it's a pretty, pretty well-known landmark that I live close to. I have two siblings. Uh, my, I have an older brother and an older sister. I am the youngest of the two. My sister presently lives in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so my story, uh, I mean, didn't know that I wanted to become an engineer. Uh, and so one of, one of my earliest introductions, informal introductions, formal introductions, depending on how you look at it, into engineering was uh, the family business. We, we, we rented out a lonchera. And so my, my father was a cook. And I supported my father in the lonchera. And for those of you who don't know what a lonchera is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a truck that serves food, a lunch truck, sometimes known out here on the West Coast as a, as a, as a roach coach. But, you know, your, your, tri <laughs> your typical truck that uh, go out and serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, depending on the area. I don't, I, Manny, is that a thing out in Yeah, Texas, no. Lonchera? Look, I'm laughing because, like, nowadays you hear, you know, the food truck, you know, and they have all the, you know, on, uh, I forget the channel that it is. It's like maybe one of these, uh, uh, the cooking channel or something like that, where they have, there's even shows about food trucks now, and people get creative, and there's even, like, sushi food trucks, and, and wheatgrass juice food <laughs> trucks. And, and I'm thinking in my head, man, the, the lonchera concept has been around since I was a kid. Uh, my, you know, my dad used yeah. to sling tacos from his cab when he was driving. But anyway, so I, when I was hearing you talk about the lonchera and describe it, it's like for all you, you know, new age folks, we're talking about food trucks here. You know, Bert, Burton and, and his dad were, were running a, a food truck, right? So what was, so, so elaborate on that. Like what was, you know, how old were you when you were doing that? What was your job or responsibilities in the lonchera? So we, man, I'm trying to remember. It's somewhere around, let's just say, 10 years old. He, you know, I had this entrepreneurial mindset of wanting to run a lonchera, and uh, and that's when that's when he went about getting that getting that business. And so, as far as my my direct involvement, 
you know, I'll phrase it as logistics and the financial realm, but really it was, okay, I got to go buy the jarritos. I got to make sure I buy enough tortillas. I got to buy cebolla and cilantro to make sure that we have enough for, you know, the, the day, the week, or whatever the occasion may be. We bought it in bulk, and we would obviously dice it up ourselves to maximize profit. Yeah. And so when I originally started, it was simple. It, it, was, it was more simple things like uh, shoveling ice and putting that into the, into the lunch truck. Yeah. As I grew older, I would help out, uh, you know, being a cashier since I – was able to to speak multiple or not multiple but i was bilingual and my father wasn't so i helped out a little bit on on the the, the cashier role i actually i would cook i would also uh be in charge of, of cooking the food as well so it was yeah it was a it was a, a solid eight-year run approximately that i really? went to lonchera definitely it's definitely interesting to see uh you know the experiences that i had versus what uh lunch truck is, is seen as now Okay, and I think and and I think I pulled you off on a tangent because you started saying, "Hey, some of your first, I think you said like official, unofficial, like view into engineering was because of that." So, uh, uh, can you can you? Oh right, 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 right. What I said was one of the first indications of engineering that uh, I experienced in the lonchera was when I would make handmade tortillas. And okay. You know, making handmade tortillas is, is just some could can be second nature. But in my mind, little did I know that eight years, ten years from that pivotal moment of me making handmade tortillas would be extremely relatable to what I do today from a fluid mechanics and heat transfer perspective. Because you have the three critical modes of heat transfer of conduction, of convection, and radiation – and, you know, I, I didn't know it at the moment. I just had, like, I was just genuinely interested by how, oh, man, okay, I have the masa to prepare the tortilla. I'm throwing it on the comal. And, you know, through some chemical reaction and some heat transfer, you get a really good-tasting tortilla. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was one of the first indications of engineering. The other one, uh, similar to, to, you know, my, my, my humble upbringings and humble beginnings, was at the end at, at night growing up in a in a gang infested neighborhood out here on the west coast uh unfortunately depending on how you look at it i grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a you know heavily gang influenced neighborhood and at night i would always see a helicopter right i would always see a helicopter as we call it out here the ghetto bird uh you know, chasing chasing people who are taking off for for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And again, similar to how that indication of the of the whole tortilla relating to heat transfer, I I didn't know at the time, or really I didn't really think much of it that okay, this helicopter's chasing a bad guy for reasons X, Y, and Z. I just thought, man, that helicopter has six degrees of freedom. I didn't phrase it as as eloquently when I was you know young. But I just thought, man, that helicopter can hover in the sky and it can move as it desires and it doesn't have to worry about traffic. It's just, it's moving yeah. and it's hovering and, and it, it's going as it, as it wishes. And I thought, man, when I grow up, I want to be a helicopter. Not I want to work on helicopters or I want to be a pilot. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I, I, you know, I, I, I see X-Men, I see Transformers. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's what I want to be. I'm, 
Magneto's cool and all, but man, I can I can visually see in real life how a helicopter operates, right? So let's talk about like you know you you're realizing these things as you're young, and you you somehow right uh, get get into into college, right? So let's talk about where did you go to school? You kind of hinted at the degree that you got. So get me there. So tell me how tell me what your your college experience was like. Um, I didn't have the strongest of GPAs, I think, I think I had like a 3.6, 3.8, más o menos. And granted, this is on a 4.6 scale in high school. Okay. Uh, and so I, 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 didn't, I didn't have the best of, of, of grades, but I, I, was, I, I thought at the moment, I still think that, that's, you know, reasonably competitive. You know, there's this, there's this kid who's taking, you know, all three years of calculus. Okay. And so I, I go to my guidance counselor, and I tell my guidance counselor, hey, you know, I want to go into engineering. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think? And he's like, well, you know, are, are, are you sure engineering is really hard? And I'm thinking, uh, like, I, I, I'm not sure. This is, you're my guidance counselor. You know my record. I expect you to give me, you know, some professional feedback. Uh, and then, you know, he tells me, okay, well, if, you're, if you want to pursue engineering, look at certain colleges and then try to try to look try to do some self research as to what routes you want to go and so I sh- I come back and I tell him hey man UCLA sounds cool USC sounds good Stanford sounds good MIT sounds good uh, you know I don't I don't think I'm necessarily the most competitive I'm not you know about a Victorian or anything like that but I want to go to these high schools and the first thing I'll never forget this going back on on very vivid memories yeah I'll never forget this. My own guidance counselor tells me, you want to pursue the engineering and you're naming those schools, you're spitting into the wind. And again, mm. you know, obviously I'm, I'm not a kid anymore, but at the time I thought, oh man, that's, a, that's an interesting saying. I never heard that before. I don't really know what he means. And so, you know, he then introduces me to the state schools and to the community college. So I don't think much of it. And, you know, that's end up, that ended up being the route that I went, but... I just, before we dive into, you know, my major and how, what route I took, I just, I I think that's, that's critical to share because, you know, here I am, I could have, I could have, at this point, reflecting on that, I kind of knew that that was, you know, that was a bit of a diss to me saying, oh, you can't do that. You're spitting into the wind, meaning that spit's going to come back and hit me right in the face. And I'm thinking, oh man, well, like, I'm, I'm here asking you for help. Why are you telling me these things? But that's neither here nor there. No, but it, but it is that. but it is interesting that you share that, right? So a couple, you know, one guest that I had on this podcast, Carolyn Ramirez, she's currently pursuing her PhD up in Northwestern and and her, you know, she shared about an educator that saw something in her, you know, when she was a junior in high school and how she was, you know, uh, motivated her and and said, "Hey, you know, you have potential. Let's get you you should really think about getting into engineering and and that then here's the other side of the spectrum your experience where you say hey some guy was like based on and and who knows what that man's bias was but obviously it wasn't a positive one kind of was essentially discouraging you and 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 maybe in so many words saying i don't think you can do this are you sure you don't want to do something more i don't know in his case maybe 
thinking something more traditional for 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 someone like you. And 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 the only reason I'm bringing up the 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 contrast is just it just speaks to the power of those early educators, right? And 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 the response and the responsibility and the impact that they can have. And unfortunately, for some it's a passion and for others it's a it's a job. And boy does it suck right. whenever it's just a job right. because it could, it could make or break somebody, but look, uh, we, you know, we, we know that it ends well, but continue on. Right. So you ended up yeah, going yeah. the, the, the community college route state school. So keep going. Yeah. 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 So, so sure enough, sure enough. You know, I, I did apply to a few schools, uh, mm-hmm. locally. Um, I, I wanted, I, I wanted to go to, to, and I, I'm not sure how Texas has it broken up, but, over here we have we have the the Cal State system and the UC system. I, I don't want to get into the details of it. It's just there's there's a distinction between the two. That's the only thing that I want to get across. And so I wanted to go. I wanted to apply to schools in the UC system. Um, end up end up not getting accepted. And at that point, you know, I was a little I was a little devastated. I was a little devastated. I was like, oh man, this guy this guy's right. I can't do it. The schools don't even believe in me. And you know, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And so one of the beauties and one of the luxuries is, you know, at the community college, I can go and get my general education, you know, do my first two years and then, you know, get a second crack at trying to make, you know, one of these schools. And uh, so sure enough, that's the route that I go, uh, really unsure as to what I want to do. So I go to to Santa Ana College and and I, I spent some time there, end up moving, I go to Orange Coast College, spend some time there but at the very at the, at the at the very end of that you know I made sure that within my two years I was ready to transfer and I didn't want to I didn't want to further delay you know me, me progressing on my degree and so um, you know I reapply I reapplied to, to the same schools that I applied but this time I applied to some in the Cal State system and uh, still I got denied by UCLA which was you know the school that I wanted to go to uh, but I ended up getting into Cal State, into Cal State Long Beach, and as I as I did a little bit more research, and as as I now am a little bit more mature and more aware of what specifically I want to go into in terms of engineering, uh, I realized that Cal State Long Beach has a good rocket program and is really known for their aerospace engineering in particular. And so I thought, okay, well, yeah, that's that's definitely it. it might not have been, uh, you know, as, as well known as UCLA, but at the end of the day, I didn't really know what I wanted to go to UCLA for except for the name. Whereas at Cal State Long Beach, I found the, uh, you know, I, I found what I wanted to do and the programs that I wanted to be a part of. So, you know, sure enough, I, I noticed the, 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 at least at Cal State Long Beach, the, the lack of diversity in my coursework, uh, in particular to, you know, my, my aerospace engineering courses, since it's all upper division. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, this is, is, is am I am I cut out for this? I don't see anyone that really you know looks like me. I don't see anyone that I can speak and engage in dialogue in Spanish. Uh, you know what what is this? I, again, I, I don't really have any real connections in terms of uh, engineering. And, and sure enough, that's when I stumbled upon uh, the the Mayas at the time. You know the the Mexican American Engineers and Scientists Society. And I think, oh man, that's really dope. The logo of Mayas. And so that's what really captured my attention. And so. Sure enough, I check out Myers and I'm thinking, oh man, that's 
I'm all about that. I want to be a part of this. This is awesome. I didn't know that, you know, an organization like this existed. Granted, I didn't really do, I didn't know much about different organizations uh, at, at my university or what they had to offer. Didn't have any, you know, anybody to really tell me, yeah, check these programs out. Uh, and so that was really, really, really eye-opening and really helpful. Uh, and, you know, that's where I got to meet a few, a few people. And, you know, I think, okay, cool, yeah, these people, you know, whether they're going through the same thing that I'm going through in terms of these experiences, they're here and they're making it happen, so I'm going to make it happen. And I love what you mentioned there, right? And, and, and I keep uh, reiterating that I have guest after guest that I've been fortunate enough to have here in the last few weeks, and all of them have some sort of tie to some school organization, right, that say, hey, it filled the gap for me. I was able to find some, you know, some fellowship with fellow Latinos or whatever identity group to kind of get through through the progress. So, uh, did you uh, were you ever an officer or a committee lead? What was your leadership like uh, contribution when you were part of uh, of the of the Long Beach chapter in Mayas? Yeah. So, so interestingly enough, yeah, I've got a bit of a, a bit of a unique. Uh, experience with, with Myers, as, as I mentioned, you know, I I, I found out about him in, in 2010, which was when I transferred to to Kelsey Long Beach, and I didn't have an officer position. I I went to the, I believe it was 2010, the symposium in Anaheim. Okay. It just so happened to be that it was in Anaheim. Again, I I joined the group, uh, or I started going to the to the to the meetings. And I thought, okay, this is cool. This is cool. You know, I don't know how involved I want to be. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't. It sounds like some like a lot of work. And you know, this is my first semester, my first year at Cal State Long Beach. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'll support it. I'll, I'll, I'll go to a few activities. I'll go to some of the meetings. Uh, but sure enough, I'm informed that the national symposium is in Anaheim. And I lived at the time I was living in Anaheim and commuting to Long Beach. It's about a 30 minute commute. And I thought, okay, cool. I don't even have to, I don't have to stay at the hotel. I just buy and go to two nights or, or at least one night to go check out the networking. And, and sure enough, that to me was, was, uh, you know, it, it was, it was mind blowing. So I go to the symposium and that's where I meet, uh, Manny who's working at, uh, Who's working at, at Lockheed Martin? I'm thinking, oh man, many looks, many looks just like me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, this guy is a chief engineer. He's worked on pretty much every and any fighter that Lockheed's put out while he's been out there. Uh, I run into another gentleman, Arturo. I run into to Luis Franco. Uh, I, I believe Mike Acosta was the uh, was uh, the president, the leader of Mines at the time. I'm thinking, damn, this is like this could potentially be just a family reunion, but everyone is putting it down and everyone is, is, is representing technical excellence in the, you know, in, in the field of their own respective or in their own respective engineering field. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is really amazing. I'm, I'm honestly caught, caught off guard as to how, how large of a network Myers could present me to, and just the genuine family connection, the, the you know the familia that that's always spoken of, and that was very genuine to me. So again, I don't have I don't have any any officer title, and I'm pumped. You know, I, I want to spread the word, uh, similar to what we had just discussed, where you know my guidance counselor had told me, 
you know, you might want to rethink your, your, your options, you know, something that might be more fitted for you, but, you know, just, you're not really motivating me and telling me, yeah, you can do it here, you know, look at these programs. And so I'm really motivated to, to trying to get the word spread out. And uh, with my particular journey of community college, you know, I, I, I start doing outreach at Long Beach, or at Cal State Long Beach. I start doing outreach at Orange Coast College. I start doing outreach at Santa Ana College in terms of my, in terms of trying to start my chapters or at least spreading the word of all the friends that I still have at the different community colleges. So it's, it's Orange Coast College, it's Santa Ana College, it's Fullerton College. You know, I'm trying to stay in contact with Long Beach City College, although I believe it was David Barahona at the time who had uh, a brother or had a connection there. And so you know, I'm pumped. I'm over here just spreading the word. I just, I want to get it out and I want to, I, I, I want to grow this as much as I can within the people that I know that don't know about my and so sure enough, that's when, uh, you know, the, the national or, or the regional positions uh, are, are made available. And I jumped straight into the, the region one representative on at, at the student level. Uh, and just, you know, I, 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 I think that's when I first met Peter and I'm thinking, oh man, yeah, Peter, Peter's dope. Peter puts it down. He, he can, he's orchestrating a lot of this at the national level or on the student side still still uh still being a student at the time and you know again i was just blown away at how how the organization and, and you know everybody's volunteering their time to help put this together and so that that was that was my my journey my two two and a half years of involvement with my uh, and on that note you know I, I the next year i believe it was either 2011 or 2012 i forget which year uh, we have the national symposium in Oakland, and you know that's when I, I I was fortunate enough to win a Padrino scholarship, to win the Navy essay scholarship, and I won I won the President's Award. I still have the little yes. diamonds on my desk uh, with my name engraved on it. Uh, you know for being for doing outreach and for for giving back and trying to spread the word for Maya. So um, it was it was definitely a phenomenal phenomenal experience for me. I, again. Didn't know what I was going to get out of my, didn't know exactly what uh, I was getting myself into. It was just genuine passion for wanting to outreach. And, and yeah, it was, it was definitely an amazing experience, an absolute amazing experience to, uh, you know, humbling experience to be given the, the, the president's award and just, just definitely appreciative of, of the opportunity. And look, and you said, and you said in there, right? You said, "Hey, you had this passion. You saw all of these professionals that look like you and were knocking down their professional game." And you mentioned Manny Sanchez from Lockheed Martin, right? So he was instrumental yep, yep. for you as a student, like for me. So I, and, and out, you know, just for, for for context, when I met Manny Sanchez, I was a freshman at San Antonio College. Uh, I had just barely thought that I was going to be an engineer and. I met him at a leadership conference, and he was one of the judges uh, on, uh, on on the student competition, right? And my group, I always had been working, and I was in sales, so I was pretty good, like like in talking and whatnot. And so uh, we were competing, and we we made it to the last round. And then Manny Sanchez was one of the judges, and he ripped me apart, man. He started asking me all kinds of questions <laughs> that I hadn't even thought about. 
And this was the first time, and I tell it's like a vivid memory. Like this was the first time that I had ever heard the word mitigate, right? And nowadays, I mean, and I was like, he's telling me, well, did you? How are you going to mitigate the risk and this, that, and the other? And I was like, I was just like stopped cold in my tracks because he used a word I had never heard, right? And so, and and then, and he was, and he was ripping into me, and then. I was like, man, this guy's kind of a kind of a bull, right? And then uh, the 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 thing that <laughs> that that made Manny Sanchez like a true mentor and a friend after that is afterwards he came up to me and he says, you know, in his way, he's like, Mijo, you did you did pretty good. You have a lot of raw talent. We just gotta polish you up. And then true to his word, like every year, I, I, and I did the five year plan in my undergrad. So for five years, Manny Sanchez was somebody that. I would go to and he would and he would and he was essentially a mentor and even as a professional and I would then talk to him about life and different things and he went through different life stages even as as a as a very experienced person right within with his health and getting married and so on so anyways it was just it just kind of speaks to to the amount of uh, connections and and how personal they can get within a group like that and look you talked about how you got really involved and I kind of want to transition to the part that I cut you off on early there wasn't there was a moment as as a college student where you where you had to walk away want to want you share a little bit about why you did that and what that was like yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely and so yeah you know it it was it was definitely uh you know it was it was really tough uh as I mentioned I'm coming off of uh you know be earning and and you know having the 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 honor, the pleasure, and the privilege of of being given these awards, and and it was actually yeah, Lockheed Martin who gave me. Uh, I believe it was sponsored by Lockheed Martin that got that I got that I received the Padrino scholarship, and so you know here I am thinking, oh man, there's a lot of work to do. There's there's it's a lot of commitment. Not only did I go and spread the word, and and we always talk about. I forget it's um it's oh yeah, yeah we always talk about recruitment but I remember the other aspect of it which is extremely difficult is the retention and so now I'm thinking oh man you know I I I've, I've built up and I've, I've tried to start multiple chapters um, I'm continuously progressing in my education and I sure enough I'm going into my senior year for my aerospace engineering undergraduate degree. And I'm thinking, man, this retention, uh, you know, this, this 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 whole retention thing is a lot more time consuming. It's a lot more involved than what I originally had planned. Again, I, I didn't have a plan of, okay, I'm going to start a chapter and I'm going to try to retain them and I'm going to, you know, go through this full my pipeline. I, I was just wanting to spread the word out and it was just raw, raw passion and raw emotion. And, and you know, I, I come to a crossroads where I'm thinking, oh, man, I, I I'm – in my senior year, and in order to earn your your degree, which I believe is similar in all places, you have to do a one-year project. And at the time, uh, because it was it was an odd number in, of students in the class, normally in, in the aerospace program, you get four people or more to a group. But in my group, it was just me and and two other two other gentlemen. Uh, and so it was it was three of us, and we were ta- tasked with designing a rocket engine and I thought oh, man you know I, I this is a big undertaking I don't really know much about it 
the professor said, you know, challenge yourself and, and do something that you would want to pursue as a career. And so that's why we unanimously agreed to, to design a rocket engine from, from scratch. And at that point, I'm thinking, man, you know, I, I, I love Myers. I really want to contribute. But if anything, I'd be doing Myers an injustice by sticking around and letting, you know, my, my, my professionalism and my academic career uh, you know, start start to dwindle, and so that's where I unfortunately had to walk away from Myers and and solely focus on my my senior year. And and also at the time, one other thing to note is I was working. I wasn't working full time, but I was still I was doing thirty hours of work. I you know I had a a full a full time class load, and I was trying to get involved with Myers at the national level, and so it was just. It was too much to juggle. One, I needed to keep putting food on the table for myself because I was living on my own uh, throughout college. So I couldn't give up the job. Two, I didn't want to drop out of school because that'd be the, you know, the, the worst of the three options. Or, or, or C, I'd have to give up Myers. And so that was, you know, under those set of circumstances, that was, that was a time where I had to, you know, as I mentioned, unfortunately, not, not part ways, but at least put the Myers recruitment and retention on hold while I went and took care of my academic study. I think it's very powerful, Burton, where the way you said that, hey, you would have been doing the, organi the organization a disservice if you let your, you know, your, your pursuit of a degree go to the wayside, right? Like, ultimately, that's the whole point. And, and look, I'll tell yeah. you from, from, you know, I've been doing recruiting with uh, ExxonMobil for, you know, uh, almost eight years now. And I see the folks that make the alternative decision, the ones that are still in their groups and their clubs, but their academics are, are, are uh, uh, suffering. And it's like, man, you kind of lost sight of the prize. You kind of lost sight of the original intent. So, hey, man, look, it's, it's powerful and commendable. And, and I love that you shared that. So you finished your undergrad. You did a postgrad? I did. I did. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, interestingly enough, on, you know, on the on the subject of trials and tribulations, I, I have my I have my aerospace degree, uh, and through my through my I, I have I have two jobs lined up. Uh, well, not 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 back to back, but two two networks that eventually led to two jobs. And so one was with Navair in Patuxent River, Maryland, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the job was to be an aerospace engineer, to work on the, the F-35 uh, fighter jet. And I'm pumped. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, man, okay, this is, this is going to be a big change. I'm moving now. I'm literally moving out probably as far out as possible from, you know, the, the West Coast all the way to the East Coast in Maryland. And I go out. I, I meet the team. It's, you know, it's, it's exciting. I see, I see, you know, fighter jets taking off and landing. And then that's when sequestration hits. And... I'm told that, you know, due to, due to federal budget cuts, that the position that I was going to start ends up getting cut. So I'm thinking, oh, man, I was really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what I'm really going to do. And actually, actually, let me take a step back. That, that was the second, that was the second gig. The first job was with the Central Intelligence Agency, with the CIA. And I was, I was super pumped because I was going to work on, on space, stuff on, on satellites and things of that nature. Uh, and so I, I go through the process. It's extremely difficult for me. Um, you know, I, I, 
I have no idea what I'm really getting myself into. Uh, and I'm going through this, you know, secret security clearance. Uh, it's a nine month background project or not, not background project, background check. Uh, they, they, they want information on pretty much everyone in my immediate circle. As I, as I learn more about the, the, the process and, and, the sensitivity of the subject matter, obviously that that was you know part of the process, and and in in that regard, uh, you know I fly out and I'm I'm in Virginia, I'm in Langley, at the headquarters, and and we're going through what I'm going to be doing, and just the the amount of the amount of rules and regulations associated with what I was going to be doing, um. Uh, just it, it, and I'm not saying that it didn't sit well with me, but I just wasn't I wasn't comfortable doing the job. And to be 100% honest, I was a little homesick as well. Okay. Being as far away from my family as possible, still in Langley, Virginia, and not being able to share anything about my workday with them because of you know the the the, the security clearance constraint. It wasn't something where I could you know fly back every week, and at least not financially. Um, and so, so in that regard, I made, I made what I thought at the time was one of the most difficult decisions in my life where, you know, here this whole time I've, I've, I've gone through, people have told me I couldn't do something and I ended up overcoming that adversity. And I work for literally the, you know, the central intelligence agency, intelligence in the name as an intelligence officer with, you know, putting my degree to work, but it just, it didn't, it didn't feel right. And I ended up not going through with with that job. Uh, and so then that's when I come back. And then that's when the Patrickson River, Maryland, their job uh, was lined up, but then that fell through with sequestration. And so all of this is happening. Oh, this is also happening in the spring of 2013. Well, fall and spring during my senior year. So to add to working the part-time job, finishing my senior degree or my senior year for my, for my degree and working with my and I'm, I'm trying to balance out the some of these requirements because I was in I was in contact with both of these uh, both of these places at least a year out, and this was a direct result of the uh, of the Oakland 2012 symposium. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I now now I've, I've graduated, and I unfortunately I didn't I, I didn't choose to stick with one of one of the jobs. I didn't have the opportunity to make the decision for the second job. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find something local. I'm, I'm applying to Boeing. I'm applying to Northrop. I'm applying to Raytheon. I'm applying to Lockheed Martin. I'm applying to the Aerospace Corporation. I'm applying to SpaceX. I'm applying to all these different places. And it just feels like my resume keeps getting lost in the black hole of the World Wide Web. And, you know, I'm getting turned down and turned down. And I'm thinking, man, what? And I'm going through a roller coaster of emotions from, okay, I, I, I had two opportunities, or at least I, you know, I was considered and I was made offers. And now I can't even get a call back from any of these places. And, you know, it's very, it's very frustrating. It's, it's, it's a little depressing. It's stressful. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And, and sure enough, uh, one of my, one of my friends, from college ends up uh, is, is working and ends up referring me as a manufacturing engineer um, at, at a local at a small local uh, machine shop that, that was in the area. 
so I go and I do that right out of right out of college, um, and I think you know what this isn't this really isn't for me. I I I find the beauty and the complexity in it, but it's it's just that I I'm not able to connect because at the machine shop we're we're taking the prints and, and we're giving the parts out, and so I had zero connection with the design engineers with how this part was thought of what went into me what went into designing this part it's just we're just here to to ship out thousands and thousands of parts and i thought you know this isn't this isn't really what i had in mind and so then that's when i go directly into into grad school and similar to my experience of you know not 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 getting my first choice of undergrad uh, coming out of high school, the only difference in this scenario for grad school is I didn't know that I wanted to do grad school. I didn't know, quite honestly, the, the, the truth of it all that I could do grad school, still having a little bit of doubt in myself just because of the whole, you know, not being able to land a job uh, in, in any of the companies that I wanted to. And they have they have this thing at Cal State Long Beach, and, and I'm not sure if this is the same elsewhere, uh, where you can actually take up to two classes you pay out of pocket on your own, but there's no commitment. You can take up to two classes. You don't have to be accepted into the college. You just have to have a degree in that uh, study. So my background was aerospace. So I took, I went into the aerospace graduate program, but without being admitted, but I couldn't have done more than two classes. So, you know, I take one class in my mind, I'm telling myself, look, just give it a shot. See if you can do it. And, you know, and, and then we'll we'll reevaluate the decision from there. So I do that, and my first class, and I'll never forget this, my first class is Advanced Fluid Mechanics, and, man, that class beat me up. We're talking, you know, in undergrad, we, we use some of the equations. There's a little bit of derivation, but more and more, it's, it's more application, at least in my, my coursework, whereas in this graduate level at Advanced Fluid Mechanics, we're literally doing everything, nothing but derivations. And I'm thinking, man, what did I get myself into? Here, I thought that I really enjoyed aerospace, but not if I'm just going to be deriving a bunch of equations all the time. And so then I take my second class, again, because I could take up two classes without being admitted to the program. Um, and, and actually, I ended up doing real well in that class, but that class, it was it was a lot of work to be able to uh, earn, earn the, the grade that I received. And, you know, I, I take this advanced heat transfer class and it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's, it's very, very theory based. There's a lot of derivations of equations and, you know, I struggled through it. And so then I think, you know what, if this is what, you know, the rest of my graduate program is going to be like, I don't, I, I don't think I have what it takes at the time. And I don't, I don't think that this is something that's for me. Uh, and so sure enough, I, the, the professor for the same class, or I had the, the same professor for both classes. And so I, I go and I speak to, to this professor and I tell him, Hey, just, I, I go, I go out for advice. And he tells me, you were one of the best students in, in both of my classes. Why would you not want to pursue graduate studies? And, and he tells me whether it was, whether it was truthful or not, he tells me, you just, you literally started off the graduate program with the most difficult classes. So everything from here on now will be a walk in the park. And again, I don't know if that was a motivational thing. Sure enough, I do tend to agree those were some of the more difficult classes that I took in my graduate studies. But 
just going full full circle, you know, I'm 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 a little I'm a little down. I'm, I'm a little stressed out with not being able to land a job and, and what I want to pursue to thinking, man, graduate studies aren't, aren't really cut out for me. And all it really took was that pivotal conversation for my professor to just not even, not even, you know, try to, try to motivate me or, or, you know, be, be extremely influential, but it was just, just a genuine conversation and, and the way he phrased things and, the way he worded it, just that, that motivated me to say, okay, well, let's give this a shot. And, you know, sure enough, I, I went into the graduate program and, and that's pretty much all she wrote from there. There you go. So you did that, man. And again, second time, this is not, I'm glad that you had a, a, a positive experience with an educator that told you the right things and probably told you what you had to hear. So look, Burton, I want to uh, kind of turn turn the corner now, and I want to start talking about uh, what what you're doing currently professionally. Look, because right now, and I'm going to fast forward through some of this stuff, right? And and I invite people to, you know, Burton's on uh, on LinkedIn, so uh, and I'll put on the show notes the your 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 uh, the link to your profile. But you have had a variety of experiences, but I want to you know, jump a few years and let, and I want to talk about what are you, where, what are you currently doing? You got this, you got this uh, degree and, and you're making it as a professional. You've had several roles and right now uh, tell people what you're doing and, and the, and the company that you're lined up with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So fast forward a couple of years, uh, I've gone through multiple startups at this point. Um, and that, that's, that's a, a full blown conversation in its own right. Uh, but right now, I work for a company called Canoe. It's spelled C-A-N-O-O, so not O-E. <clears throat> and so Canoe is a new electric vehicle startup company based out of Torrance, California. Uh, the company was founded in December of 2017. Uh, I, I believe that's legally. I think the first employee was hired January of 2018. I started uh, February 3rd of 2018, so I just had my, my two years at the company. All right. And so, uh, so, so yeah, we, we, we are working on developing a new electric vehicle, trying to leverage the, the, the benefits of electrification in the sense of having a really, really flat skateboard. Uh, where your, your propulsion system is laid out and maximizing your cabin space. So the, the, the whole philosophy was the company could go out and try to build a sedan like the Model 3, the Model, the Tesla Model 3, Tesla Model S, or make a sports car and compete with the new Porsche Taycan, which you may have seen a Super Bowl commercial for, or the Audi e-tron, the new, the new Audi all-electric SUV, uh, but the, the or, or you know the, the Tesla Cybertruck, we could have gone into building a truck or, or the, the Rivian R1T um, <clears throat> all electric. But the philosophy over here was instead of trying to go into competition directly with you know a lot of these major major OEMs or you know Tesla being the, the large company that they're very quickly growing to be. We thought, well, why don't we design a, a different type of vehicle? So, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to check out the website, canoo.com. 
And the vehicle is, is basically a hybrid of, not, not in terms of proportion, in terms of design, uh, of like a London taxi and, and, a, and a VW bus type of, a, type of style. So we want to maximize the amount of cabin space. So the way all of the Tesla vehicles have a front or a front trunk because there is no large uh, internal combustion engine, um, it, it, we, we basically put the driver and the passenger as far forward as, as not as possible, but as safely possible. We still have to abide by all crash safety regulations. Um, and so we were able to, we were able to do that. And so they're, they're sitting more forward than a traditional car. Uh, we don't have a large trunk space. So the, the seats are pushed back again, very similar to a, a VW bus. Um, and so that's, that's the objective was we want to show you what you can do in terms of a, a cabin or what we like to call a top hat with an electric propulsion skateboard. And that's kind of what we what, just illustrate the versatility of what we're capable of designing. Now, whether we want to put a, a sedan-like top hat or sedan-like cabin, we can do that. Whether we want to put a trunk-like cabin, we can do that. Uh, it's very versatile in, in the sense of what, what it can accomplish. Um, and also just be able to distinguish ourselves and, and look a little different. You know, right now, if you put the silhouette of, of a Model 3 or a Model S, you know, versus any other car, it's still the traditional, you know, what it looks like, engine compartment in the front, cabin space in the middle, and trunk in the back, right? They're, they're your classic sedan-like features. There, there have been significant improvements in aerodynamics, but traditionally the way things are laid out have been pretty much the same since, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, since, since we were being propelled by horses. Horses were in the front, people sat in the middle, and the luggage were, and the cargo went in yeah. the back. So we wanted to do something completely different and, and really be able to illustrate our, our technology and our capabilities. And so to answer the second part of your question, what am I doing now? Uh, so I lead a team at Canoe where we're working on, uh, or my, my specific duties going from aerospace engineering, I went into a specialization of computational fluid dynamics, uh, acronym being CFD. And so I'm working primarily on the full propulsion system, thermal, under the full thermal management uh, layout for the propulsion system. So in order to create propulsion in a electric vehicle, you have your battery pack, you have your inverter, which transfers your DC current to AC, you have your electric motor, and you have your, your gearbox. And so I'm directly involved in working with the, the thermal management strategies and the thermal management uh, performance metrics of all of those components, along with other components that, that generate heat, uh, such as converting your, your, low, your high voltage to low voltage, or what is called your DC to DC, or your, your, your power converters, if you will. So if it generates heat and it's a component within an electric vehicle, uh, you know, I've, I've either indirectly or directly been involved with ensuring that it stays, um, it stays warm when it needs to be warm and it stays cold when it needs to be cold within the operating spectrum. 
And that's pretty cool. And look, you, you, you mentioned, right, that it is a, it's a startup, it's fresh. And look, and I'm going to add some of links to some of the, uh, uh, there's a commercial out there, at least that I saw in an unveiling. And this thing looks pretty, pretty cool. And I think you hit it spot on a great description around how it's a mix of, uh, 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 of uh, you had mentioned like, uh, 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 the Lon- London taxi and yes. the VW bus. Yeah, the London taxi and the VW, and, and it is, and it's and it's a sweet looking, and I love how they kind of. What what caught my attention was the whole. There's a there's a guy who's, and I'm forgetting his name, uh, but uh, and he's like in charge of, of product or whatever. But he was talking in this interview, and uh, he started talking about hey how they want to maximize the space and make it more like communal, right? Where even the way that the seats are organized and, and things of that nature are completely, uh, completely different. The other thing that I found unique was this whole uh, subscription idea. Can you talk a little bit about that or is that still the, the, the business model? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so one of the big differences uh, along with, 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 you know, or aside from, from just the design aspect of it, is this vehicle the plan for this vehicle is you will not be able to purchase this vehicle uh the plan is that we want this to be 100 percent subscription based and so the objective there is uh you know whether you want to subscribe to the vehicle for you know a month several months or 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 long term you know to have that flexibility as far as now, the business model and, and the numbers, obviously, I, I, I don't deal with that on a, on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting – I find it interesting in the sense that, you know, Netflix, one of the largest movie providers online, doesn't actually own, you know, any of, of the content or doesn't own really uh, much of the content. Uh, you know, Airbnb, same thing with, with providing uh, – hotels or, or, or housing accommodations, you know, but doesn't actually own any of the property. And, you know, you look at Uber and Lyft, same thing, ride sharing, but they don't actually own any, any, any of the vehicles or, or I don't believe they do. And so, you know, we want to have, we want to be one of the most successful electric vehicle companies to have never sold an actual vehicle. And so, you know, just playing a twist on, on how, uh, from a business perspective, you know, the, it, it, things are changing and, and how the business models are changing. Now, I, I definitely find it real interesting. It's, it's extremely, it's extremely new. It's, it's extremely challenging. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely eager to see what the market adoption is in, in the coming year uh, when, when we release in 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, just, just really looking forward to seeing how, uh, not only so much how, or not not so much how the market adopts it, but just being able to see a vehicle that I put, you know, countless hours of, of engineering time uh, out on the road. Just being able to see that I contribute to something, literally driving down the street, is definitely what I'm what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, and look, and you had before we started uh, recording, we, you and I had a, a good conversation. Like you had asked me. Uh, about hey so you 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 were curious as to what like me being in oil and gas uh what's uh what's my take so tell tell me again what was the essence of that question well where where my question was stemming from is with with my experiences being at startups you know we're, we're we're obviously we're we're in an uphill battle just because we don't have any revenue stream we don't have any history 
we're literally starting from a clean sheet, which is great from a, from a flexibility and a freedom standpoint, but we're constantly racing against the clock to try to put this, uh, you know, this, this electric vehicle out on the street. And my question was more so from, you know, a large company like, uh, you know, how, how does a large company like that see where the market is going in terms, in terms of the, you know, the, the, the oil and gas sector and, and, how, what, what is, what, what exactly, what projects, uh, you know, does ExxonMobil get involved with in terms of renewable energy and, and what, what are those opportunities yeah. and what, what does that, what does that look like from, you know, from your perspective and from the large corporation that you're, that you're a part of? I love that you even asked me that, you know, ahead of time. And, and, uh, and, and I just wanted to, the, the folks to hear it because I think it's, it, it's a good conversation to like, to re-highlight. So, First of all, uh, and from, from my end, uh, and not only the company that I work for, but different companies and even like the Department of Energy will put out these like energy outlook reports. And so if you go online and I always use the ExxonMobil one because, hey, I'm a little biased, you know, but I also did read the Department of Energy's one and they're pretty similar. And you can go on and just like if you were to Google uh, Exxon Mobil outlook of energy to 2040, and I'll put a link in the show notes. You'll get the 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 uh, industry's view, or I'm sorry, Exxon Mobil's view on what the energy demand is going to do is going to do uh, between now and and the future. And so, one overarching theme that we that we like to to clarify is to say that hey, it's going to take all forms of energy to meet the energy demand, and the biggest tie. It to the energy demand growing is the development of the of 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 what I was called third world countries, right? So it's not going to come from yeah. more increased demand in 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 the U.S. or more increased demand in Europe. It's going to be in those underdeveloped countries, like you know, parts of China, India specifically is a huge one, and that's where people are now going from like not having electricity to all of a sudden having electricity. And you think about when you start getting electricity, what does that mean? Or when people start uh, making a little bit more money and making the conversion tr- from from lower income to what an, uh, a a relative like what we'll call middle class, now you're able to start buying. You have a disposable income, right? You're able to buy cars. You're able to buy appliances. You're able to buy packaged food, and so and all that in one way, shape, or form translates into hey, people need more energy. And I start off by saying like, hey, it's going to take all kinds. And and what I what I what I love about the these reports, and like I said, the the uh, Department of Energy one also matches some of this. Is that they there is absolutely a, a an acceptance that the that like things like uh, solar powered and 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 hydrocells and and different forms of energy and some of these renewables are going to grow exponentially. But overall, the demand is going to grow uh, uh, a lot. Right. Even more, I guess what I'm saying for some of the more traditional things like hydrocarbon. But what excites me. And so, look, and, and like I mentioned to you, my career is within the chemical company. So when I and, and I had mentioned and I had asked you and I said, we could have a very long discussion and I can ask you, hey, what's that car made out of? And I'm sure you're going to tell me resins, plastics, foams, you know, certain <laughs> types of adhesives and a bunch of lightweight, you know, uh, uh, carbon fibers and 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 there's just so many chemical byproducts or what I call hydrocarbon byproducts that uh, are are going to contribute to be for for 
like startups like or companies that like you work for and the Teslas of the world and so on, even the traditional automakers, right? They're up against uh, uh, gas mileage requirements and so on, right? Like uh, they're going to need light, light materials that are very strong. And to me, that is the petrochemical industry, which is where I'm at. So I love seeing the, the connection, right? Like folks like you are coming yeah. up with the designs and the idea. And then folks like me are then answering the call to make that technology or material, uh, the, I guess the, the materials available for you to actually produce the technology is what I meant to say. So it's all interconnected. I don't think it's, uh, it's like uh, those that, uh, that, that support alternative energy and those that don't. I think the, the, the success comes from uh, how a lot of these industries are working together. You know what I mean? I, it would be really yeah. cool to like understand someone that at like, and, and I'm not saying we don't have to, you don't have to answer this, but in my head, it, it'd be cool to know who is in charge of acquiring material for your car and who all they're talking to, to meet that demand. You know what I mean? And I'm sure somewhere along the lines out yeah. there, it's crossing with some, you know, new age petrochemical based, uh, uh, material. Anyways, I could geek out and, and talk about that forever, but I want to be, <laughs> I want to be, uh, respectful of the time. And, and I want to ask you one last question before we part ways here, you're working for this startup, you've worked for other startups. What has that been like, man? What is the, you know, there is a, a, a fear in some cases of folks aligning with startups because they want, job security and things of that, that nature. What has been your experience in working with startups in, in general? Well, at the company that I worked for previously at Siemens, uh, or where I started, where I started outside of uh, grad school, you know, it's very, very organized, uh, very set time. The, the projects were, were pretty well understood. And now, you know, I, I work from one startup to the next and, you know, to another and, there's this volatility where, you know, I, I it, it was never my intention to, to change startup jobs. It was just, you know, one, it was the opportunity that presented itself. And two, it was the, the circumstance of, of where I was. And so it, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, man, I know it's, it's, it's traditionally frowned upon to, you know, change jobs so frequently. But it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't, it was. Part of it was in my control. Part of it was out of my control. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know what some of the companies' fates financially was going to be. And so, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not worried about in the future, you know, what is a company going to think of, you know, my, my, my frequent job changing. I was, I was worried about making sure that I had a job so that I could, you know, put food on the table. And so, in my mind, I'd rather have a company look at my resume and, and see that I changed jobs multiple times and then going back to that fear of being rejected by, by numerous companies and not being able to find a job. And so, you know, one thing led to another, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to have the opportunity to work with some of the most brilliant minds in, you know, in the automotive world and in the electric vehicle uh, industry. And so it's, it's definitely been, it's been a wild roller coaster. It still is a wild roller coaster, even at Canoe, with putting out a vehicle and, and seeing the progress that we've made. And if you had asked me this, you know, in 2013 and 2015, if this is how the route that I would have taken, I wouldn't have guessed this in a million years. I've kind of just, one of the unfortunate realities is a lot of startup companies 
are, are the majority of them will fail. I don't remember the statistics or what the numbers are, but you know, the, the vast majority of, of, uh, of startup companies fail. It's a very, very expensive venture to, to start a, an automotive company an electric vehicle company specifically. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. It's looking real positive. It's looking real, real, uh, real great. I'm hoping third time's a charm specifically for me, not, not for my colleagues, because this isn't, you know, that they're, they're third time around for them. And so, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So what this year brings what the next year, uh, brings with, with coming to coming to production. Hey, look, man. And, and it sounded, and, and as you're describing it, that, Hey, it's been and it's been a roller coaster, but it's exciting to be on the edge. And uh, it sounds like you like what you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, well, Burton, look, you you have an, an awesome story, and I, as I mentioned to you, one of the reasons that I thought of you in in being part of this podcast project was because of how real you keep it, how open you are, and how willing you are to share your story. Congratulations on everything you've accomplished. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm seriously gonna, you know, continue to keep tabs because now I'm, I, I watched all the promo videos. Uh, I'm excited about to see where Canoe goes and, and, and what it does. But overall, I'm excited to see what, what you're gonna do. So uh, with that, man, uh, I thank you for making yourself to, uh, available and, and thank you for sharing today, okay? Absolutely, Manny. It's been an honor, pleasure, and privilege. I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, thankful that you, you know, you reached out to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by, you know, what you, what you think of me. And, and, hey, man, it's, it's, it's been, as I mentioned, it's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we did this. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch.